Hello, this is Adrian Hendricks. And Jerry Hendricks with Say One More Now, Incorporated, where our focus is to lovingly confront all activities dishonoring human life created in the image of God. There is no greater dishonor to God in human life than to reject His eternal salvation only available through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us. The title of today's message is God's Immigration Plan for Heaven, Part 2. By way of review, People of every nation would do well to listen to and steadfastly observe the word of the Lord. Why? Because these everlasting words are from the only eternal God and contain His secrets of everlasting life. Romans chapter 1 verse 20 explains like this, For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Let's take a moment and review some of those attributes, starting with Isaiah chapter 57, verse 15. For thus says the high and lofty one, he who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place, but with him also who is of a thoroughly penitent and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the thoroughly penitent, bruised with sorrow and sin. God is omnipotent or all-powerful as we read at Jeremiah chapter 32, verses 17 and 27. Alas, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard or too wonderful for you. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? God is omnipresent or everywhere present. Psalm 139 declares, starting at verse 7, Where could I go from your spirit, or where could I flee from your presence? If I ascend up into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, the place of the dead, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning, or dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall your hand lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the night shall be the only light about me. Even the darkness hides nothing from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. God is omniscient, all-knowing. 1 John chapter 3, verse 20 reminds us, For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. All true Christians must remember that even though this world is not our home, we are the only salt and light in this darkness. At Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16, Jesus talks about the influence we are to have in this present age. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, its strength, its quality, how can its saltiness be restored? It is not good for anything any longer but to be thrown out and trodden underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do men light a lamp and put it under a pecked measure, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your moral excellence and your praiseworthy, noble, and good deeds, and recognize and honor and praise and glorify your Father who is in heaven. True followers of Jesus Christ are salty and provide light everywhere they are. We make the difference whether we realize it or not. Any nation filled with this salt and light is blessed as Psalm 33 verse 12 testifies. Bless 
happy, fortunate to be envied is the nation whose God is the Lord. When each Christian wields his or her preserving influence as they move throughout the world and make disciples, many souls will be able to pass the vetting requirements for entry into heaven. Each of us, however, must eventually make an honest assessment of our own readiness for admission into heaven. This may be something you have never considered. There is a vetting process one must pass to get in, just as many nations have their own entry requirements. The word vetting means to subject somebody or something to careful examination or scrutiny, especially to determine suitability. This is all part of heaven's immigration plan. Immigration is the process people go through to be granted permanent settlement in a new country. Our key scripture passage for today comes from Revelation chapter 21, where we will discuss requirements for entry into our new permanent home in the New Jerusalem. Starting at verse 9, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven final plagues, afflictions, and calamities came and spoke to me. He said, Come with me. I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. Then in the spirit he conveyed me away to a vast and lofty mountain and exhibited to me the holy, hallowed, consecrated city of Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God, clothed in God's glory in all its splendor and radiance. The luster of it resembled a rare and most precious jewel like jasper, shining clear as crystal. It had a massive and high wall with twelve large gates, and at the gates there were stationed twelve angels. And on the gates the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel were written. On the east side three gates, on the north side three gates, on the south side three gates, and on the west side three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundation stones, and on them the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he who spoke to me had a golden measuring rod to measure the city and its gates and its wall. The city lies in a square, its length being the same as its width. And he measured the city with his reed, 12,000 stadia, about 1,500 miles. Its length and width and height are the same. He measured its wall also, 144 cubits, about 72 yards by a man's measure of a cubit from his elbow to his third fingertip, which is the measure of the angel. The wall was built of jasper, while the city itself was of pure gold, clear and transparent like glass. The foundation stones of the wall of the city were ornamented with all of the precious stones. The first foundation stone was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysophrase, the eleventh Jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each separate gate being built of one solid pearl. And the main street of the city was of gold, as pure and translucent as glass. I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God, omnipotent himself and the Lamb himself, are its temple. And the city had no need of the sun nor of the moon to give light to it, for the splendor and radiance glory of God illuminate it, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations shall walk by its light, and the rulers and leaders of the earth shall bring into it their glory. And its gates shall never be closed by day, and there shall be no night there. They shall bring the glory, the splendor, and majesty of the honor of the nations into it. 
but nothing that defiles or profanes or is unwashed shall ever enter it, nor anyone who commits abominations that is unclean, detestable, morally repugnant, or practices falsehood, but only those whose names are recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. We read that 12 angels are stationed at each of the 12 gates. You may ask, as I did, why are there angels guarding these gates? The answer provided at verse 27 is to ensure nothing that defiles or profanes or is unwashed shall ever enter the new Jerusalem, nor shall anyone who commits abominations, that is, unclean, detestable, morally repugnant, or practices falsehood, but only those whose names are recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. Bible commentator Albert Barnes states, The twelve angels stationed at the gates are guards to the New Jerusalem. Their business is to watch the gates that nothing improper should enter, and that the great enemy should not make an insidious approach to this city as he did to the earthly paradise. So what is the process for entering heaven? At Revelation chapter 21 verse 27, we see that one's name must be written in the Lamb's book of life. That book of life is referred to at Philippians chapter 4, verse 3, and in the book of Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, chapter 13, verse 8, chapter 17, verse 8, chapter 20, verses 12 and 15, chapter 21, verse 27, and chapter 22, verse 19. Revelation chapter 3, verse 5 reads, Thus shall he who conquers be clad in white garments, and I will not erase or blot out his name from the book of life. I will acknowledge him as mine, and I will confess his name openly before my Father and before his angels. According to Albert Barnes, another commentator, the book of life contains the names of souls who will live with the Lord forever. The names of his people are represented as enrolled in a book which the Lord himself keeps a register of those who will receive everlasting life. Is your name written in that book? Revelation chapter 20 verse 15 explains the importance of having one's name in that book. And if anyone's name was not found recorded in the book of life, he was hurled into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is a place of punishment, of perpetual torment, not of annihilation or mindless non-existence, but rather the unspeakable agony of the acute sensory awareness that one is separated from the refreshing of eternal life with no remedy or relief. Revelation 20.10 tells us that those who cause many to be cast into the lake of fire join them there. Then the devil, who had led them astray, deceiving and seducing them, was hurled into the fiery lake of burning brimstone, where the beast and false prophet were, and they would be tormented day and night forever and ever through the ages of the ages. Burning brimstone is a well-known simple mineral substance, crystalline, easily melted, quite flammable, and when burning, emits a peculiar suffocating odor which can literally take one's breath away. Ingesting this stifling stench will be the standard fare for those who reject God's salvation through the Lord Jesus. Each of us makes the choice in our daily lives where we will spend eternity. We either accept Jesus and his everlasting blood sacrifice for our eternal salvation to spend eternity with him, or we reject him and spend eternity away from him. These are the only two choices. Jesus issued this warning at Luke 13. Someone asked him, Lord, will only a few be saved, rescued, delivered from the penalties of the last judgment, and made partakers of the salvation of Christ? And he said to them, 
Strive to enter the narrow door. Force yourself through it. For many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house gets up and closes the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door again and again, saying, Lord, open to us, he will answer you. I do not know where or what household, certainly not mine, you come from. Then you will begin to say, We ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where or what household, certainly not mine, you come from. Depart from me, all you wrongdoers. There will be weeping and grinding of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves being cast forth, banished, driven away. And people will come from east and west and from north and south and sit down and feast at the table in the kingdom of God. The questions that are critical for each of us who have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior are, has there been a change in your heart, a change in your life, where Jesus is truly Lord of your life? Has there been a true repentance for past sins and a complete turning away from those sins? Jesus says at Matthew chapter 3, verse 8, that our changed lives are to bring forth fruit that is consistent with repentance. Let your lives prove your change of heart. And again at Luke chapter 3, verse 8, bear fruits that are deserving and consistent with your repentance, that is, conduct worthy of a heart changed, a heart abhorring sin. What are those things that will keep us out of heaven? Our first list is from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. As we examine God's vetting for entering heaven, we see at verses 9 and 10, those guilty of the following actions without true repentance will not qualify for entry. Does this include you? The unrighteous are sinful ones who violate justice or deal fraudulently with others deceitfully. Fornicators are male or female prostitutes who have sexual intercourse with those to whom they are not married. Idolaters worship false gods instead of the true God. They participate in sacrificial feasts and eat the remains of victims offered to that which is not God, or those who covet by pursuing the idols of their own hearts. Adulterers are married people who engage in sexual intercourse with someone not their spouses or someone faithless toward God. The effeminate refers to a male who imitates a female in behavior, appearance, speech, or actions that are traditionally associated with females, a male prostitute, or a boy kept as a prostitute. Abusers of themselves with mankind are homosexuals who lie with males as with females, sodomites. Thieves take away the property of others secretly or openly, by fraud or by force, or false teachers who abuse the confidence of others for personal gain. The covetous are eager to have more, especially what belongs to others, one greedy of gain. Drunkards are those who become drunken or intoxicated by alcohol. Revilers are free with other men's characters. They load them with reproaches and take away their good names, either openly or secretly, either by tail-bearing, whispering, and backbiting, or by raising and spreading scandalous reports in a public manner. 
Extortioners plunder the substance of other men in an open and forcible way. They extort unlawful gain. Galatians 5, 19-21 provides the second list. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Following are the deeds from Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, not included in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, which we read earlier. Uncleanness refers to the physically or morally unclean, having impure motives, actions, thoughts, and unnatural lusts. Lasciviousness is unbridled lust, outrageous wantonness, leading to acts of uncleanness which include impure words, filthy gestures, and shamelessness. Witchcraft is any real or pretended league and association with the devil, seeking to converse with familiar spirits, to gain unlawful knowledge, or to hurt fellow creatures, which honors Satan, detracts from the glory of God, and rightly follows idolatry, conjuration, soothsaying, necromancy, all kinds of magic, and the use of administering of drugs, poisoning, metaphorically speaking, the deceptions and seductions of idolatry. Hatred is internal hatred of any person, enmity against another. Variance means contentions, fighting, and quarreling with scandalous and reproachful words. These also include strife and wrangling. Emulations are strivings to equal or do more than others to obtain carnal favors or honors, also inappropriate zeal or fierceness. Wrath refers to boiling passion violent emotions of the mind, moving to revenge and seeking the hurt and mischief of others. Strife is partisanship, fractiousness, self-seeking pursuit of importance by unfair means. Seditions refer to dissension and division. Heresy means choosing to follow one's own tenets instead of what is properly set forth, to capture or take the beliefs of another. Envy is the uneasy, distressing torture of the mind from grieving at the good of others, that any should be in an equal or in a better condition than themselves. Murder is the deliberate destroying of human life, slaughter. Revelings refers to late-night drunken partying that results in unlawful indulgence. Ephesians 5 verses 5 and 6 gives us the third list. For this you know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. One item from Ephesians 5 not included in the first two lists is whoremonger. A whoremonger is one who sells another person for sexual activity, including fornication, adultery, and incest. Our final list of deeds which will reserve the unrepentant person a place in the lake of fire is found at Revelation 21 verse 8. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. 
Here is the last list of actions not found in the previous lists. The fearful are those who, through fear of men, either make no profession of Christ and his gospel or, having made it, drop it, lest they should be exposed to tribulation and persecution. These are they that are afraid of the beast and live in servile bondage to him. Unbelievers are those who may profess his name and could be called by it, yet do not truly believe in him nor embrace his gospel and the truths of it, but believe a lie. These are condemned already, on whom the wrath of God abides, and they will be damned at last, though it may have a regard to such also who refuse to believe in the second coming of Christ to judgment, and who scoff and mock at it. The abominable are all who are detestable on account of their sins. Their conduct is offensive to God and includes those who live in open sin, who practice detestable vices, whose conduct is suited to generate disgust and abhorrence. Liars are those who speak contrary to the truth when aware of the truth. Even he who speaks the truth with the intention to deceive, that is, to persuade a person that a thing is different from what it really is, by telling only a part of the truth, or suppressing some circumstance which would have led the hearer to the true conclusion. If you believe you are a Christian and you have heard something familiar that connects you with any of these deeds we have mentioned, it is not too late for you to go to the Lord, confess your sin, change your mind about your deeds, and forsake them. Restore your relationship with your Heavenly Father today. However, if you are not a Christian and have heard something that makes you want this God who made you and loves you, please know that he sent his sinless son, Jesus, to pay the blood price for sin so that we all might secure eternity with him. Without Jesus, we cannot clean ourselves up enough for God, nor can we make the choice to stop detestable, abominable acts but believing that God raised Jesus from the dead gives all who dare to believe the power to choose him in his ways, and his Holy Spirit has the power to make you clean and maintain an unpolluted life. The good news is that all of us can qualify for heaven. The real question is, do we really want to? We at Save One More Now Incorporated encourage all listeners to seek the Lord for His calling on your life. If you faithfully spend time with Him throughout the day, you will come to know without a doubt that He really loves you and He has a purpose for your being here. We can be reached by email at truelife at saveonemorenow.org or our telephone number in the United States, 850-727-0493. We look forward to joining you next week and ask you to remember, Life is good. God gives life. God is good.